I'm just saying you should wash thoroughly, but just pick one day a week where you lick the bottom of a toilet seat. And then <laughs> We've seen it all before, so let's reload on a very special episode of shows that suck and shows that float. Buckle up, buttercup, it's a bumpy road. Going deep inside the mainframe secret code. Some of this shit stinks, some of it's gold. Featuring the VIPs of SBT, Austin G and Dr. DB with our AT&C money. Weird TV is their specialty. It might be all four or just one, two, or three. Cause they're old and kind of busy. So go get ready and take a peek. So set your phasers to download a rarity that we had bestowed. Special moments no one would have shown. Open your body holes cause you're gonna get told. Grab yourself a drink and let's unload. In a very special episode. Hello. And welcome to a very special episode podcast where we review episodes from one of the rare times a sitcom in the 90s starred a stand-up comedian. I'm David Bitsenhofer, and with me is the person whose home contains dangerous levels of toxicity. Carolyn Mame! Uh, <laughs> and I'm call that on the pug dogs there. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably it's the pug dogs' fault. It gets there. And the person who can only find someone attractive if, is if they imagine their friend's mother's face on the body. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of walked into that one. Austin Gordon. <laughs> yeah, you always go mom. for the first one. Go go for the devil you know, Austin. You know you should <laughs> absorb it. It's true. If it's a David devil, the first one's usually much better. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, today we are rev- we are reviewing the George Carlin show, season two, episode seven. George really does it this time. George's apartment is filled with shit and piss, but his decision to cl- clean his dwelling has unintended consequences. After Sydney is convinced Jack isn't a cocksucker, she sets him up with her friends, who is a model in a magazine where he can see her rear, but not her tits. But regardless, Jack has trouble liking women. He fucks. So George tries to cure him of it by making him into a motherfucker. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, I'm not really comfortable using the word cunt as a descriptor. So that's where this is. Uh, Austin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is your relationship with the George Carlin show? Uh, I did not even know this show existed. <laughs> Until yeah. you sent the email saying, oh, we're going to do this episode of the George Carlin show. And I was all like, the bees are on the what now? Um, <laughs> I'll just click on this link. I don't know what yeah. it is. <laughs> right, exactly. I'm sure this is really from David. Um, so then I bought a new computer. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and even even my my app that I use to help me like find out where tv yeah. shows or movies are streaming was of no it was like there's no such thing as the george carlin show go away strange person two seasons austin yeah two, two seasons, seasons. this is this is what uh this is what i learned from the crack research team two seasons mid 90s fox network yeah I so yeah no i mean that. obviously i i um, i know george carlin i'm familiar with his mm-hmm. with his work and his general shtick but uh, did not know he had a sitcom. Did not know he was part of the, as you said, the the '90s wave of handing stand-up comedians their own shows. 
I'm fairly sure Fox just somehow got on board with George Carlin because he, I think he was in a TV movie around then too. Which I yeah, mean, that could, he could have had some kind of like weird development deal with Fox or something. Yeah, I can get the crack research team on that. He, As Carolyn seems, talks about her. He seems like the kind of yeah. comedian Fox would get into bed with at that point in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Carolyn? Yeah, um, I agree with Austin. I had no <laughs> idea this was a thing. How delightful, David. Uh, just like under the wire, P.S. behind the scenes, we get this like a few hours before. I don't know what time is anymore. Yeah. Like, wow. I'm going to click on the link and watch it and eat dinner. That's all I'm going to get done. <laughs> time has certainly lost all meaning these days. Yeah, no, time doesn't mean anything. So it's nice that you found this like Bernstein Bears-esque universe sitcom <laughs> that I didn't know existed in this timeline. Thank you. Good job. Huh. Yeah, huh. you're going <laughs> to... Well, what's interesting is I did know this existed, actually. And Since when? <laughs> when? Coinc- coincidentally <laughs> enough, I one of the like I, I think this was part of the Fox block for the two seasons it was on. So I feel like it was on after like The Simpsons or Married with Children or something. That would make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I and so you know I was just watching whatever was on at the time. So I remember watching it, but I don't remember many episodes aside. Oddly from. Uh, Except for this one, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, so you you had a recollection of this one, even independent of its of its uh, current. Uh, what am I looking yeah. for here? The, <laughs> the way it ties into current it's events. Prescience uh, of current. Yes, uh, thank you. Right. Prescience. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And what? Uh, yeah, this is because I remember the scene. Well. Things get really weird of like Berenstein Bears, Berenstein Stein Bears, uh, Mandela. And then there's you guys. There's the Astain Bears. Those are yeah. the Charmin Bears. <laughs> there are Astain Bears, but they, they exist yeah. in all universes, though. Uh, Those are all universes. <laughs> you can't escape the Astain Bears. That's um, true. <laughs> so I had like a little bit of Mandela effect, where I certainly found evidence, like obviously through IMDb, that the show existed. And I found it on Wikipedia, but all the descriptions did not call out this particular episode. And I'm like, I swear there was one. And even this episode doesn't go, doesn't follow exactly how I remember it, which isn't unique to things I remember from the 90s. Although I wonder, I'm rambling again. I wonder (laughs) if this was a a syndicated recording we got and they chopped something off. Because I'm fairly... Because I'm fairly sure he goes on a rant early in the episode in the bar about shampoo and how you don't need to repeat because it's a conspiracy again or to make you buy more shampoo. Mm. And it would and it makes sense that they would put that in the earlier in the episode as a callback later, as we'll get to. Right, but, right. But we don't see any evidence. Of, so maybe I made that up. But so then I'm searching for this episode, all the descriptors, like the descriptor for this episode in Wikipedia is like Jack gets set up on a date. And I'm like, well, that's not this episode. You yeah, know? I was, I was just going to say the uh, the IMDb plot summary is mm-hmm. Sydney sets Jack up on a date with a centerfold and George cleans his apartment. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's not technically incorrect, <laughs> but it kind of dodges the spirit of what this episode's really about. Yeah, it really buries the lead. <laughs> exactly. So I'm, like, so I'm like, now I'm having this Mandela effect. I'm like, 
did this did I imagine this episode? Did I dream <laughs> that it happened? And I actually like clicked through all the YouTube episodes of this and somehow missed that this was it actually the first time I went through it. <laughs> and the only evidence was some weird like forums from the early two thousands where someone just briefly mentions that there is an episode where this this happens and I'm like so someone else remembers this episode, but I can't find any evidence of it. So then I had to do pick something else or like this weekend, I just started really like clicking multiple times through every episode and finally got to this and then saw, I think I thought, then finally saw it. I'm like, yes, it does exist. Anyways. So so what I'm hearing is that while everyone else in the social media universe is (laughs) tweeting about like what fantastic prestige TV series they're catching up on while in quarantine, (laughs) David spent his weekend watching the George Carlin show. (laughs) Are you saying this isn't prestige TV? I I might, I might be saying that. (laughs) This might be prestige television, David. It's a kind of prestige. To be fair, there were a few jokes in this episode I did chuckle at. I did, did. and it had a very it wasn't devoid of comedy. I'll put correct, it and it it's very much of its time, but it yeah. also had a uh, it's kind of a unique style to it that I kind of yeah. enjoyed. Yeah, it's not a prestige so much as a patina necessarily, yeah, and yeah. it's a nice patina. It's very gray. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Well, yeah, and our video quality was not great either. I wondered I that kind of added to the experience, <laughs> right? <laughs> Made you feel like you're watching a VHS or something, right? Uh, like a hundred VHS. <laughs> yeah, this a is recording like... of a recording of a recording <laughs> hundred times out. Yep. <laughs> I did look for better quality out there, and shockingly, sure. yeah, no, no I did too. Great. I'm not surprised you that you didn't find anything. Yeah. So we start in their bar, which I, whose name I forget at this moment, but it's kind of like the Cheers of this show, and uh, it is the, called. Uh, oh, Ian. <laughs> uh, there's a story behind it. Mm. Um, the Moylan Tavern. Is what the it's Moylan called. Tavern. All right. Yes, it is. It is based on an actual now defunct Moylan Tavern, which was a bar that existed during Carlin's childhood. Huh. Interesting. And it was owned by the grandparents of film critic and author Maitland McDonough, and that's why Jack Donahue is. That's uh, uh, the. The guy who has sex with the bomb picture in this mm-hmm. one. Uh, he named Donahue in honor of the people who owned the original Moylan Tavern. Oh, very. Wow, yeah. you, that's a deep cut. I did see that apparently George Carlin hated filming this show, too. But Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. it wasn't, he didn't hate the show necessarily, but apparently, like, I don't know if it was the showrunner or, like, the creator who was still, like, working or writer was apparently a nightmare to work with was... What he suggested. Uh, so, um, I like how not only does George have his character named after him, but he yeah. also has the bar named after his childhood bar. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah really he, he's clearly all over this one. <laughs> yeah, this is all about. He has his fingerprints on it everywhere. So, so Sydney basically asks Jack when's the last time he got laid, and Jack is kind of coy about that, and then so she kind of says. She's thinking of setting him up, but also he might be gay. And so then Jack gets a little gay panic in him. I guess this isn't as bad as some gay panic jokes. 
Yeah, but this whole like cold open is pretty much just an extended gay panic riff. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. But then they don't go all the way because then Frank, who kind of like is a guy who apparently was at a gay bar for a few years and never realized it because nobody (laughs) hit on him. Then I got to thinking and there is nothing wrong if you are, but uh, maybe you're gay. (laughs) What? That's it. I'm out of here. Wait a minute, Frank, where you going? No, 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 this happened to me once before. I once sat in this place for two years before I realized it was a gay bar. Frank, how do you hang out at a gay bar for two years and not realize it? Hey, how was I supposed to know, huh? I didn't know the code. No one came up to me and talked to me. No one told me. No one wanted me. Ah, hell, I don't care if this is a gay bar. I'm going to have a drink. It's just kind of funny in and of itself, but then mm-hmm. he didn't seem to really have any problem with it. But then he had the uh, test for Frank, for Jack, I should say, who, which is uh, he has to dance to "It's Raining Men." Yeah, they have a whole song and dance number. I kind of think they <laughs> did go all the way with it here. <laughs> well, they didn't go all the way, as in like so you gross, you're gay, you're yeah. get away from me kind of thing. Oh yeah, no, not that kind of bad way. No. Yeah. <laughs> They just went big with this. This is kind oh, of yeah. a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did it it did remind me a little bit of the Simpsons joke when Homer's trying to find a new bar and then it cuts to him at, at the She She Lounge mm-hmm. and he suddenly is like, Wait a minute, <laughs> there's something wrong here. This lesbian bar doesn't have a fire exit. Enjoy <laughs> yeah, exactly. your death trap, ladies. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. it turns out you, you kind of get the feeling Frank kind of really liked the gay bar, and he kind of yeah, misses it exactly. anyway. But, uh... And Frank is is played by the yeah, guy who that. was mm-hmm. uh, appeared in one episode of Friends as the superintendent of the bu- building who learned oh, how yeah. to ballroom dance with Joey. Oh yeah, he's also in like he's one of those that guys. Yeah, he just shows Definitely. up and, for whatever reason. Show. That's the role that's seared itself into my brain for him. <laughs> Mike Haggerty is his name. Uh, the, the punchline is Jack can't dance at all, and so they determine he's not gay because of that. Yeah, burnt. <laughs> <laughs> and so then George walks in. George, that's George Carlin, who, as we mentioned, is named George because that's just what you do with these sitcoms. <laughs> and he's holding a bunch of cleaning suppl- supplies because apparently there's a funky smell in his apartment. Or he calls it a stench. It's gone all the way to stench <laughs> levels is what he says. Of course, in my apartment, there's always a little something in the air. <laughs> Usually it ranges from a bouquet, a fragrance, or an aroma to a smell, an odor, or a stink. This time, it's a definite stench. <laughs> he talks about the whole smell spectrum. It's really relatable. <laughs> and then, but then he's kind of like, what are you all up to? And that's where, so Sydney is setting Jack up with a woman who posed in Caboose magazine, but you can only see her ass. And <laughs> it's Caboose which sounds magazine. like a very Carolyn magazine, right? Would you, would you <laughs> subscribe like, to Caboose magazine? Yeah, um, I haven't. I'm interested. I'm, subscribe I'm really to interested. it. I'm pretty sure she's like the publisher and editor in chief of that magazine. <laughs> I'm like J. Jonah Jameson. Exactly. She's the J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> yeah. of Caboose. Get me pictures of Spider Man's ass. Yeah, yeah. So whose ass would be the Spider Man in this situation? <laughs> mm. Anybody's ass right now? 
<laughs> you just need ass. There's a lot how's, of ass. You're missing it. How's Fabio's ass right now? That's what I I'm wondering. How is Fabio in general? Is he still looking good or is he? I do not know. We need to figure this out. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Or has he gone the way of like Gerard Depardieu? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I love how messed up he is. <laughs> Is that an ass you'd pay to see? No! I would need money. <laughs> um, Jack is kind of acting a little weird about it. And George just is amazed at all the varieties of nudie magazines there are these days. And I'm just thinking, like, wait until the internet shows up and then... Oh, Hey, put all yeah. the magazines out of business, but then you can really get whatever you want, right? <laughs> yeah, and it, it um, Carlin kind of does like a riff on you know the whole. Hey, the world today has a magazine for every fetish. This fetish, that fetish, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's it's the first moment of several in this episode where it feels like someone wrote a script for an episode, and then Carlin came along and was like, you know, okay, just type in. George does his thing here, 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 and here. Yeah, and then like he, he just like worked in bits from his stand-up routine into a few places where he just kind of like ranted and and you know tap danced yeah, around yeah. for you know very very much so yeah, yeah. Like, right just stitch into the narrative yeah I've yeah. got a few of my uh, bits I need to get to and then we'll we'll figure out where I can talk about them right exactly. <laughs> Which is probably why she became a nudie magazine model, just so he could rant about it. Right. He's like, oh, I got this great bit about how there's a fetish mm -hmm. magazine for everything these days. Throw that in there. It's like, yeah, Sydney just is apparently with a model who poses. Yeah, I guess. And I don't know. I don't know what Jack's problem is here. That sounds like he hit the jackpot, right? Well, I have Un some intended. I, I went on a I went on a journey trying to answer that question. We'll we'll get to that shortly. <laughs> what Jack's problem is? Uh huh. Yeah. So, yeah. He's a mysterious <laughs> fellow. He comes off very dubious. He's just like sulking from scene to scene, jumping. Well, the problem is, I don't even know what's considered the B plot and the, I guess the A plot is George in his apartment and what that leads to. And so this like B plot just kind of gets it dropped. Uh huh. Right. And I guess we'll just never know what happens, but we'll, we'll get to there. Uh, we, so George leaves the bar, heads out on the street. And uh, Harry shows uh, meets him on the street. Who's just another guy that George knows, and uh, makes fun of George's smelly apartment, and then says he's off for because he has a nooner because he doesn't know what a nooner is. Hey, George, what's with the cleaning stuff? You know, there's a horrible smell up in my apartment. Even with you down here, <laughs> Harry, where you going? I got a nooner to get to. Don't tell me you're fooling around again. Oh, is that what that means? <laughs> no, this is something else. See you, Mr. Clean. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's just a joke to make sure Harry's not at the bar later. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. But Jack follows George <laughs> into his apartment because he wants to talk with George. And as George is getting... Uh, yeah. George George goes to his apartment and uh, his like neighbor Pinkerton thinks he was dead because of how bad his apartment smelled and but uh, that George enters the apartment and Jack is soon to knock on the door and comes in and the problem is 
Jack want like is getting set up with this girl, but he's basically has a Madonna horror complex where he can't like women he finds attractive or who are like sex positive or something to that effect. This part is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when they leave the bar and George notices that Jack's following him, and then he's like, you want to come upstairs? And Jack's all sort of, like, furtive about it. Yeah. I was like, wait, is is he gay? <laughs> is, 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 this, is George gay? Is this going to be, like, a secret gay relationship kind of thing? I'm like, <laughs> that seems a bit much for a mid-90s Fox sitcom with George Garland. And so then, as he's progressing through and you're learning more about kind of what his problem is, because I knew that you were looking for an episode that spoke to the current times in which we find ourselves, <laughs> I was looking for the, when is this going to get to something like illness-related, virus-related, et cetera, oh. et cetera. And so then I'm like, wait, is this going to turn into like an HIV episode? Yeah. Is he gay? And does he have HIV? And that's why he can't have sex because he's, or, you know not gay, but does have, like, an STD or something, and so that's our, like, our disease angle that ties in with the, his inability to have sex with women. It was, it was a whole roller coaster ride I went on. And then it turns out to be, like, the barest of a B-plot. Yeah, it just... Maybe Carolyn can define what Jack's problem is. What's oh, going on here? No ideas. No, it's so complicated. I can't believe it was happening. Like well, he's... he just comes off like this shifty little hair guy and I barely <laughs> know what his deal is and he's in the background of every scene. And then you he sits in George Carlin's weird little apartment where everything <laughs> is gray. It might be the VHS or it might just yeah. be the sands of time or it might just be how the show was because George looks very gray, so it ends up making mm. a lot of sense. But anyways, yeah, and of course, I think his apartment isn't supposed. It's supposed to be pretty drab and yeah, yeah. unimpressive. Right, so, it is. And then he sits down and makes a little show of his tiny couch space, which is cute and relatable. <laughs> and then he finally sits the squirrely little guy down, and he's like, "What's your deal?" And his deal is that he's bad at fucking ladies. Well, yeah, or like, so according, what the fuck is your problem? According to the Gruel Orphans, and let me just say it was very uncomfortable learning this information from them. <laughs> oh, no. uh, okay. In psychoanalytic literature, a Madonna whore <laughs> complex is the inability to maintain sexual arousal within a committed, loving relationship. Now, given yeah. given that there's a uh, that, that they loop in the mother at some point, I know you're all going to be shocked to hear that this was first identified by one Sigmund Freud. Mm -hmm. um, oh, that Freud. Who said mm. that, and I think this is what gets paraphrased in the episode. Jack says something similar to this. Where such men love that they have no desire, and where they desire, they cannot love. So I think, well, the, so I think the idea is supposed to be that the only... You are all, he's only sexually attracted to women that he has a deep emotional connection with, and then by virtue of having that deep emotional connection, it eliminates his sexual desire? Well, see, I've always taken it, and I'm no Freud here, let's put it that way. <laughs> oh, you're a little Freud, at least. But, little but you know, how for how long society has viewed sex as, like, dirty and... yeah. 
immoral kind of, you know, especially like, <laughs> like you know, I've known cat <laughs> growing up Catholic, you know, something about it, but it's, it's not exclusive to Catholicism. Uh, that 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 gets conflated where like suddenly like sex is something that's dirty and it's not like he doesn't want it but if a woman has sex that means she's not like respectable anymore you know or she's not pure or right she's not right. worthy of love if she's willing to have sex and so then that whole gets that gets jumbled in your mind because when you marry someone you are supposed to have sex with them but then if you have sex you're you know, defiling them, and should you love someone who's defiled and all that? Well, yeah, obviously, bullshit. But that's what I've always <laughs> taken it as more that you yeah, can't respect yeah. a woman who sleeps around, basically. And so, how can you love someone you don't respect, basically? Sure, that's a great way to never do it. Yeah, much. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible formula, Catholics. Come on, come on. But growing up, I. I never quite got in. Even growing up Catholic, I never quite understood because someone was like, oh, yeah, she sleeps around. I'm like, yeah, that's pretty hot. <laughs> that mean, that mean I might have a chance. I mean, shockingly, I didn't have a chance. But still, you know, <laughs> gave me hope. You had more of a chance than if she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it went from zero to one percent. And you know what? That's a big jump. I like those odds. <laughs> uh so yeah, so the cure George comes up with, which is, well, there's a problem with, he puts it, I think it's his mother's face on her body, right? Yeah, he goes, supposed he goes to do to something a, for him. He goes to a drawer in his apartment where he has like all of the supplies for this little craft project all just like mm -hmm. set up and ready to go. He pulls out a picture of... George's mom and a pair of scissors and cuts out her head and puts it on the new, the magazine, the, the, the caboose, yeah. Car that Carolyn's, uh, the, the jewel of <laughs> Carolyn's publishing empire. Um, it is the crown center. I feel like we should also mention that at one point someone makes a mention that her eye can follow you wherever you look, which is just, just yeah, that was one of those oh. weird things where I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh. And so I guess the idea was supposed to be that George was helping him associate like something matronly with something yeah. sexual. But I feel like that could really backfire pretty You're quickly. Right. And secondly, <laughs> yeah. and I also bring in the Freud on that one immediately. And so, and I also point out that in my mind, this is an exclusively ass focused magazine. <laughs> Right. So like in, so yeah. I'm always, I'm just imagining like his mom's face right on top of a butt. Right. It's just like a walking talking like butt with a head on it. I didn't I mean until they made the joke about how her eye follows you around the room, I was under the impression that there were no faces at all in this magazine. I don't think they were talking about her ocular uh, fair <laughs> enough. Receptors. Fair enough. Yeah. I believe Have the... you guys ever seen that one gif? <laughs> it's kind of a not safe for work gif. <laughs> it's like two people doing it from the side and somebody put googly eyes on the lady. And it kind of looks like the Mayor McCheeseburger eating like a hot dog. <laughs> and that's what that makes me think of. Could be like, you know, the kind of universe for butt magazine. <laughs> that's where i'm gonna take it next season that's all <laughs> i feel like you could really in like a butt magazine yeah 
As long, you could really get away with passing off like dudes in there too, right? And like mm-hmm, the guys mm-hmm. would, the, the perv guys would just never know as long as it's properly <laughs> shaved and like tucked under, right? Like, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. a butt's a butt. Yeah, exactly. Butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Jack, but this kind of helps Jack, I guess. But then when he's on the day, I don't know, whatever. This. So Jack decides to call up uh, Vicky Derriere and they set a date, but then he wants her to wear something more formal than usual. Like, as if like she just always walks around like naked, just because right. she posed naked in a magazine. But yeah. Well, he wants her to wear something more formal to whatever it is they're going to do as a date, which we don't know because they exchange no relevant details <laughs> whatsoever as far as where or when this date will be taking place before hanging up the phone. Well, the first time when I first heard this before realizing this was just part of the Madonna whore thing, we said, wear something more formal than usual. I'm like, you're already up in the bar here. Now she's going to be expecting to go somewhere fancy. And I don't know if he like has the means to take her to any place. (laughs) (laughs) Also, this is a point where I'm like, I've been out of the dating game a long time, but is this how people used to set up dates? Where, like, you just call someone out of the blue and be like, I'm such and such friends, you want to go out with me sometime? And they're like, sure. Is that how how it was done back in the day? Have I just forgotten? Yeah, that was pre-internet. Yeah. This was a setup, so so I assume she was, like, primed with, like, I've got a friend I want to set you up with. And she's like, okay, this is his name. Yeah. And, and then went to Jack and said, Joe, talk to this. And so then when they're calling, it's already under the pretenses of we're going to go on a date. Yeah, and fair And whatever happens there is, you know, something. But uh, it's more like, hey, it's me from, you know, you have to at least establish who you are and how you know her. And right, both, right. Like, and, but you've already both know you're kind of like agreed to go on this date pre-internet time. That's just what life was like in the 90s. Yeah, pre-internet. Yeah, you're down to that or just whoever you met at the bar. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, those days. <laughs> when we could go uh, outside. What were they like, those days? <laughs> I know. I just think about the fact that the days before <laughs> driving directions. Oh, terrible. And even more so because I... I'm old, so I lived before, like, you could just put it on your phone and have give yourself turn-by-turn directions. Mm-hmm. But I always lived, by the time I could drive, MapQuest online, you know, as a website existed. So I could always you just get directions and, like, print them out. Yeah. And I just wow. don't know how things worked <laughs> <laughs> right. before you could do that. Where you're like, so bad. Or, like, yeah. do you remember when you would, like, like as a kid you would invite a friend over to your house and <laughs> yeah. then like as like a 10 year old, you could give very specific turn by turn directions to get yeah. to your house from like a major, you know, freeway yeah, or turn off or something like that. And then you go here. Yeah. So that like the could. friend could tell the pa- his parents how to get to your house. And now yeah. you're just like, here's you just text someone your address and they take care of figuring out how to get there. And I've wondered how much uh, like online directions, turn by turn directions have improved commercial stores and such now that you don't have to live nearby to know how to get somewhere so once you hear something it's not a 
impossibility to get there kind of thing. Oh, yeah. You used to have to pull over to gas stations and ask yeah. for directions. Like, like unless it was a very well-known area of, like, downtown, if there was, like, a fancy restaurant in some, like, suburb you've never been to, like, you're not going there because you wouldn't know how to get anywhere in there, you know? Right. It was right. hard, y'all. Damn. <laughs> I got lost so many times. You got it easy. Super bad. You got it made. Kid these days. <laughs> They've had the internet the whole time. I think it might have I mean, ruined them too. And yeah, sorry about kids it. are going to be like, remember when our parents used to like go outside and like go places? Like that must have been weird. <gasps> Having kids is hard. <laughs> <laughs> you, no, you're doing no. great, Austin. <laughs> yeah, Liam. Yeah. Uh, we went for a walk the other day, and and he, we walked by the park that's now closed. Um, and he had to stop and sit down like on the curb outside the park and tell the park that it was okay. It's, it's a good park and he'll play, (laughs) he'll, he'll play on it again someday. (laughs) And Christy and I were like, oh my God, what the hell is this doing to him? (laughs) (laughs) You worried the park was sad that no one was playing on it? Yeah. He was like, like, he was demonstrably sad. (laughs) Not just that like he couldn't play on the playground because he he knew that before we walked over there. Uh, but just he was like sad that he couldn't plan it, but also sad on behalf of the playground. Yeah, for the playground. Because <laughs> he's like, do you need a hug, buddy? <laughs> Yo, shout out the playground. I would like to go to it too. Yeah, we all want to go to the playground, buddy. Mm-hmm. But the playground knows it's a good boy and understands. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. After all this rigmarole, Jack leaves George's apartment and George decides to clean it. So he gets some kind of like a prop comedy of all the disgusting things George finds around the apartment as he's cleaning it out. Mostly like rock solid socks, which just makes me wonder, maybe he should just get some Kleenex for that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's my cum sock. Yeah. Somebody did. Have you seen it, David? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love that meme shout out that meme and that mm-hmm. gif yeah uh, and so as he cleans up he ends up with like a glowing smoking garbage bag <laughs> but he was lucky he luckily he was wearing gloves so it's not a big deal <laughs> then we get a shot of him then scratching his hair whilst wearing the gloves which of course defeats any purpose of wearing the gloves and then, of course, they, he decides to eat a sandwich with them on, too. So, Oh, man. This scene is fantastic. It goes so <laughs> many places. Each one of those things you said was, like, a great shot. Yeah, I feel, I mean, I feel like we could just, like, clip that sequence and run 30-second spots on TV. Like, don't do what George does. <laughs> yeah, it is fantastic gifts. Speaking yeah. of gifts. Yeah, th- this would be the point in time in which I went, oh, now I see why David picked this episode. <laughs> yeah, we figured out who got the virus. We're all just waiting. Mm-hmm. Although it is kind of funny. I-, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop or, I f- or felt like I was missing. Like, the punchline is just that, like, his apartment is disgustingly dirty. Like nothing, yeah. nothing happened to make it that way. It's just <laughs> correct. One day it got so bad that all of the neighbors could smell it, and it finally prompted him to clean it. 
And it was not only so bad that the neighbors could smell it, but that it fostered this like terrible <laughs> disease that will find out like ravaged the entire community just because George was terrible at cleaning up after himself. Yep. That's, I think, the punchline. Uh, and uh, we'll get to it. Uh, He's so bad. Such a sloppy guy. Why are you doing? Wow. I respect it, you know. <laughs> Dancy's a kindred spirit in charge. Right? No, I get it. It's super funny. I like the way he took his thing, like his shell. He's not trying to self-aggrandize or pretend he's somebody good. He's just kind of like a real sloppy piece of shit in this. <laughs> he also gets pretty horny, you know? Well, he's I not do trying feel to like... be a nice guy or even relatable. He's just a real piece of horny shit. <laughs> Now, let's be clear that I don't really remember many of the episodes or exactly what happens in them. Although I do think this is one of the most over-the-top episodes they ever did which, <laughs> with its zaniness. I don't think it usually reaches this level of zaniness. It's quite zany, yeah. <laughs> As we'll get to. And uh, in my mind... Well, we'll get to it, of what happened in my mind. But... Uh, <laughs> So then George leaves the apartment with his uh, smoking garbage bag. And as he's putting it out, people on the street start getting woozy as he just walks by them. Uh, he then goes into the bar to get his coffee before he gets in. He starts driving his cab. But of course, they make a point of him like touching all of his friends, not inappropriately, but just patting him on the back and stuff as he's like making his way out. And after each interaction, all of them are starting to feel woozy. And then he leaves the bar and the sidewalk outside the bar is just littered with bodies, basically. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. Now, in my mind, this is, and I think it's because we see the post-credit, they just replay this for some reason. But this was how the episode ended. So, like, in this whole episode kind of was structured very differently. But that, like, it just ended with, like, everyone supposedly being dead. But then you're just not supposed to take it seriously or whatever. And that's how it happened in my mind. But that's not really true. But also, when I, I remember seeing this back when it aired. And you guys can correct me. But I took it as a parody of The Stand. Hmm. Oh, really? that could, could be. be. Because yeah. I feel like that, I think it was the year before, but not like six. I feel yeah. like it was around this time that the the TV movie came out. It very well, yeah, you're in the right spot. The stand was 94. Yeah. These are two mm-hmm. very 90s things. <laughs> Maybe the most among them. Yeah, the stand was 94. This aired... December of 94. So this would have been after the stand. Yeah, you're right. That probably was like a legit stand pastiche. Yeah. That's fun. That's very good that they did (laughs) that. Let's shout (laughs) out George Carlin too, having been in Bill and Ted, right? That's some sci-fi that he has done. And now this is is almost like sci-fi, this episode. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of absurdism too. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's what. So yeah, I think the ba- I don't think the people are dead. I think we learn it doesn't actually kill people. I think they're just all like unconscious. But like George is disturbed by it, but not enough to like stop his like duties as a cab driver. He like kind of like 
runs away, but then presumably just does his job after that. Like, eh, that's weird that everyone passed out, but let's let's uh get back to keep on keeping on, right? Yeah. <laughs> so after that, we uh, we get a commercial break. We don't sadly don't see the '90s commercials. Uh, and we start back up, and we're at the Pentagon because apparently the government is actually taking this disease seriously. Oh, that so, would be something. Huh. <laughs> you know, this was the '90s because I assume this was like a like CDC or something, and they're like well funded and actually tracking things and had ways to figure out who was getting the disease. It was like amazing. I didn't. Well, and they, this I mean, is they, truly sci-fi, right? Yeah, this is where it gets really into like high fantasy because they're able to like. <laughs> identify it so early in the process that uh, they could zero in on like the ground zero before it spreads and ravages the entire country. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's just not realistically possible. I, I guess <laughs> nobody could see it coming. So I don't know why. Yeah, they I don't know how they were able to get on top of that. Mm-hmm. How do magnets work? I don't know. Miracles. <laughs> but I assume we all recognized who the scientist was doing the, uh, <laughs> Figuring out yeah. where this epidemic was coming from. <laughs> yeah. It's baby boy Drew Carey. Yeah, it's a young, <laughs> a young baby boy Drew Carey. <laughs> a super young Drew boy. Carey. Probably, po- he, he still had a sex dungeon at this point, right? Or do you think that came later? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Carolyn, do you not know this? Um, I guess I'm about to. This sounds terrible. Okay. <laughs> Drew Carey has like a sex dungeon in his room. In his house, wow. I should say. In his room? <laughs> yeah, I know. His bedroom that he shares with his parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's freaky as shit. Damn. How you do that? Why, think... why do you know? Is it like on MTV's it's like crib? It's a thing that he's like... Well, David see, would help captive there for a brief period of time. The only thing I don't know is how consensual. I don't know if it's a Me Too thing or just that he's really freaky. Oh, no. Well... <laughs> Yeah, was it a Me Too thing or like a Fifty Shades of Grey thing? Yeah, oh, just like no. Yeah. Well, that's terrible. I guess they just let any sex pervert host the prices right. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, let's be fair. I I have no proof that any of it is unconsensual. <laughs> He's just a sex pervert, which is perfectly cool because you know what? I'm pretty perverted myself. It's just how you, know, I should, how you, should you go see it, right? his dungeon, David. You should go. You should go visit and report back yeah, to yeah, us. Yeah, all right, yeah. Just be like, hey, Drew Carey, bring me into your sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can add him on Twitter, I think. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, yeah so this was, uh, this was just Sorry. before he got his, uh, his own show. Yeah, wow. was it? Yeah, I yeah Drew Carey's show, show started in 95, so. Well, what's... His show wasn't on uh, Fox, though, right? Wasn't no, it? I think his was ABC. I just feel like a lot of times they, when famous, yeah, usually when like actors are on a show and then get their own show, it's usually the same network. Like they like kind of get spotted being this person. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Right? Yeah, yeah they bring him out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Baby Drew Carey is trying to pinpoint where the disease is, and he's tracking it, and he's trying to figure out what kind of disease just goes from uh, airports to massage parlors and back. And <laughs> stops at a, like a food <laughs> truck, but uh. <laughs> Uh, we go back to uh, George's apartment where George is watching the news about the new pandemic and is just pretty excited. He thinks it's pretty cool. And what we do learn is that it causes 
hair to grow in all sorts of places, basically, which I, <laughs> which now is becoming like a callback to the Tim and Eric episode we did. And Karen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think? Do you think Tim and Eric yeah. like they like bottled this disease in order to get the what was it like the pube juice or whatever it was called? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Manshake is Manshake, what Cinco yeah. products called it, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we could call it the pube milkshake. <laughs> the pube milkshake had friend. to have part of this disease in it, is all I'm saying. <laughs> once, once we see its effects, uh, yeah, it's really easy to cut in that footage. Glorp, glorp. Yeah, it totally works. For real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry shows up to George's apartment. He was the one who went off for the nooner, but didn't know what a nooner was, and. Uh, <laughs> He was like, I leave the bar for one uh, afternoon and now everything is going to shit. And George is like, no, it's exciting. There's a new mystery disease they're calling, dis- what was it, Disease X? Disease X, yeah. And disease yeah. X. And George thinks it's the CIA. And th- then Harry says he th- George thinks the- it's always the CIA. But apparently George has uh, different departments cause different issues in George's life. Nor I think it's coming from, my friend. Three little letters. C-I-A. Oh, George, you blame everything on the C-I-A. Lighten up. If you're missing a sock in your laundry, it's the C-I-A. Ah, uh-huh. we've been over this before, Harry. Missing sock is the D-E-A. <laughs> One shoe on the highway, F-B-I. <laughs> the lady ahead of me pays by a check, that's the I-R-S. Ah, <laughs> uh, my friend, mystery disease, C-I-A. Yeah, this felt, th- this felt like another bit of Carlin putting in something from his stand-up. Yeah. Uh, but then of course, see him get a good '90s rant on. You don't see too many anti-establishment comedians (laughs) at all. Oh no, we need more of those. (laughs) Although to be fair, I doubt even George really thought that uh, one missing shoe on the highway was the result of the FBI. But you know, (laughs) that's true. But it makes you think. (laughs) You're right. It does make you think. That's uh, makes you think. Some people are saying that perhaps the one she was the FBI's fault. Uh, uh, so then Harry passes out and George is like, oh, man, now you too. And then he's like, I got to get to the hospital. So then he puts Harry in the cab. <laughs> and then the next scene is Jack on his date. And uh, <laughs> well, first of all, Vicky just like, I'm sorry about your friends in disease X. But does it very like apathetically, <laughs> which is just like. I'm sorry your friends might die of some unknown disease, but uh, let's get on with this date. Right, right. And uh, so then it turns out she seems really DTF, but uh, Jack, I don't know, he can't handle it for some reason. I don't know. I'm not even sure what Jack wants anymore. So, uh, But then George rolls up with, and I, with Harry in the back still, so he hasn't like brought Harry to the hospital. He instead decides it's more important to pick up Jack and Vicky on their date. Right. All right. Uh, all <laughs> checks out. <laughs> and then they're like having their date in the back of the cab and like dying well, into each other. Well, wow. you're you're missing something first, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when he stops, he says, "Vicky, that's not Vicky. Turn around." <laughs> Vicky, your front view is a little different from your rear. Oh, well, then you'll recognize me in next month's issue of Shaved and Shiny. I subscribe to that. Which, man, 
even for Fox, that felt a little <laughs> risque for network TV in the 90s. Yeah, thank you for pronouncing that, because when they said it, I was just like, oh, what? <laughs> and I think I wrote down shaved the shiny, which is really bad. Shaved <laughs> shaved yeah, like, yeah, it's not shaved but shiny, it's shaved vagina. Yeah, that's what I thought. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> very dirty, whatever those words are. Very dirty words. This is risque. Either yeah. either way, yeah, it yeah, feels that. like Fox got away with something with that one. I know. They just threw it out there. And George George says he subscribes to that one, so I guess that's a all right. We've learned a little more about George again. <laughs> so then I guess they're going to go on a date, but then George has to get Harry to the hospital, but decides to take them on the date too. It's a date slash hospital thing. <laughs> Which everyone seems cool with. And then, so Jack and Vicky are making small talk, but then start getting woozy themselves. And I'll just say, maybe they should have suspected that when somebody who actively has the disease and is showing symptoms is right next to them and they seem very yeah i mean about that at at first the idea is that you know of course that george is an asymptomatic carrier which is a mm-hmm. term that of course we're all ultimately you know intimately familiar with um yeah now that that's become part of our regular vocabulary except people who are in charge of our country yeah right states but oh. you know Right. Those guys, mm. Yeah, they, they don't know uh, anything about people who might be asymptomatic. Well, I mean, disease, they learned but... about it, but it was just like yesterday, David. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I know. It's this new thing. <laughs> um, so, like, at first, George is, is basically being an asymptomatic carrier. But then, when, like, as you say, when they literally get in the back of a cab with someone who's sick, it's like, what did you think was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> and so then, as they're passing out, because they're, they're trying to make small talk, they ask what their favorite movies are. And Vicky says E.T., and then Jack says Andromeda Strain, ah. which I get the reference, but nobody's calling Andromeda Strain their favorite <laughs> movie, right? Like, that's, a, that's a bit far-fetched even for this episode of the George Carlin. <laughs> that's, right? the most, that's the most outlandish part of this episode. <laughs> that, you sound you, like you've definitely seen Andromeda Strain, <laughs> David. I'm, try, I'm trying to think if there was another, like... Because like nowadays you'd say it would be yeah. you know contagion or outbreak would yeah, be yeah, your exactly. your sort of like let's name check a a, a pandemic movie kind of thing. I'm trying yeah. to think in '94 if there was anything more relevant than it. Because I mean, even putting aside the fact that no one would say Andromeda Strain, it's <laughs> kind of a deep cut for the mid '90s. So I guess Michael Crichton yeah, exactly. was a big name. <laughs> But like the actual mm-hmm. movie Andromeda Strain, I don't think a ton of people were all that familiar with in the mid '90s. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any big disease movies after that one before the, Outbreak yeah. rolled along. Yeah, we have to get in on that. Uh, so then they end up passing out in the back of his cab. Which let's just say this disease works really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually would be helpful because the faster it works, the less it will spread because everyone knows who has it right away, right? That's true. Yeah, you just don't walk where everyone's passed out on the street and you'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. But where else can you go? That's the only place. (laughs) (laughs) 
long as George's not going around just not realizing everyone around him passes out like within minutes. Yeah. So then, uh, presumably, he brought them to the hospital. Excuse me. Maybe I'm getting this disease X. Oh, no. George (laughs) Carlin's men's disease. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So then we... George is at his apartment. He just goes to sleep like, yeah, whatever. My entire city is falling apart around me, but I'll I'll just take take a nap now. And so he falls asleep. (laughs) But the government comes busting into his apartment right then and then. So and what is scene? This is another scene that could be like a '90s music video if he just like <laughs> sepia tone the footage. Like, whoa, dude, he's getting kidnapped by the CIA or yeah. whatever. Well, they're in like the hazmat suits, and I guess that yeah. is kind of reminiscent of ET now, as I think about it, which was Vicky's yeah, favorite movie. I, I assumed that's what they were referencing when e- she mm. said ET was her favorite movie. Was the ending when the government busts in? And... Mm-hmm. Which is which is what kept me from wearing long sleeve white thermal shirts for a long period of time. <laughs> <laughs> scary. Uh, so then we end up in George's apartment where he's in under quarantine and he has like kind of like the bubble boy plastic walls around him so he can't infect anyone else. And but then they apparently let all his friends in just to like heckle him for a little bit. But they all. <laughs> 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 That's good that they have a respectable heckle distance. What do you exactly. think that is? Like, Look, if we could put people in plastic bubbles, then we could, you know, yeah, uh, ease up on the social distancing to allow for some heckling. <laughs> is that what Twitter is, kind of? Listen, if six feet is social distancing, you can get plenty of heckling from six feet. Let That's, me true. That's true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, but of course, the humor in this is that all all the friends that are heckling him have like hair growth in odd places. They basically look like us in right now in this. Point yeah, exactly. Yeah, our level of current disheveledness. Yes, mm-hmm. we're all holding it together, guys. Don't worry, we're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> and so then everybody leaves except Drew Carey, who's like the government scientist guy. And he kind of figures out what the real problem is. And that's when he brings out shampoo and accuses George Carlin of not repeating in the wash, rinse, repeat cycle. Uh, Tell me, Mr. O'Grady, how often do you wash your hair? I'm not volunteering any more personal information. Fine, play it that way. But when you do wash it, do you shampoo, rinse, and repeat? Like it says in the directions? Why? Because the shampoo cartel says I have to? Those directions are just a plot to get people to use more shampoo. You know, it's people like you, O'Grady. People that don't follow directions. We took samples from your trash bag. Seems your house cleaning created this primordial soup that spawned this virus. But it all would have been fine if you would have just followed directions. Shampoo, rinse, repeat. That's the lesson, I guess, is that George Carlin was too dirty and maybe things would have been better if he took a proper cleaning after he got all that, like, house gunk on him, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, Drew Carey makes the point that plenty of people have made on social media nowadays, which is also when you're not carrying a disease, it's probably not a bad idea to wash more thoroughly. Yeah. It's yeah, true. do we have to wash our hands all the time now, Austin? Is that yeah, what that's that's what I'm saying, is is that uh, even oh when we come God. out of quarantine, it's still a good idea to wash your hands. 
At the same time, Austin, the immune system is a muscle, and you have to exercise it. (laughs) Don't be too thorough, or you end up just having no immune system, and then you're... Or a very weakened immune system, and then you'll get anything. So, you know, just every... David. I like a slight bioflora myself. (laughs) I'm just saying you should wash thoroughly, but just pick one day a week where you lick the bottom of a toilet seat, and then... (laughs) It's, a, it's like a booster shot, you know? You're a doctor, so that's yeah, exactly. good advice. <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I will take a look. Uh, is, uh, is anybody else trying to make a sourdough starter from the air? Not yet, but I'm getting close. I have one, but it's like it hasn't gone past where uh, like it's like a certain thick stage. It's not like foamy. Not digivolving right. I don't know. I'll have to figure it out. What yeah, is I've the done... process of making a good sourdough? You like you can catch it with well. Okay, so I have some yeast, right? And then you do like mm-hmm. a pinch of yeast and a pinch of sugar and a pinch of flour and some water and like stir it and keep it warm. And eventually, apparently, it's supposed to like get to this foamy place where it's like kind of like really big, and then you can keep it alive in your fridge and keep making sourdough. From it. Yeah, you just put it in like oh, a mason okay. jar and then like take a chunk of it off when you want to go make yeah. some sourdough and drop that in with everything else. Yeah, what's the big sourdough company in San Francisco? San Francisco Sour Disco. Right, right, rice aroni? I don't know. Uh, I, I count on you, Austin, for this like <laughs> nice stuff. All right. Get the girls. I don't have to. Rest. I mean, I, I have heard that rice aroni is a San Francisco treat. Sourdough San guess. Francisco. <laughs> I'm gonna get to it. It's uh, what is it? Bowden? Bowden? Boudin? It's Boudin. Boudin? Yeah, bakery. Yeah, yeah. They make sourdough. Anyways, the only thing I was gonna say is their factory had a giant fire, and someone needed to run in to save their sourdough <gasps> culture, or they would have saved the babies. Yeah, or it would have been lost forever, and so they had to like get it. Oh wow! Did it succeeded? That's like some Olympic torch shit, except yeah, exactly. in reverse, you want it not to Yeah, you burn. feel like it's one of those things where they should have, like, a second batch that they keep in an undisclosed I, location just for that. I mean, they might, but let's also keep in mind, I think this was in, like, the 1910s or something. Oh, fair so, enough. I don't fair enough. Yeah, they weren't... Uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, it was probably during the earthquake. That was probably where they had to go in and get it. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. I just it's was picturing what Carolyn was talking about, how you have to keep your your sourdough starter warm when it's first starting out. I was then picturing Carolyn putting it in a nest and then sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. It's like having a Saved by the Bell flower baby. <laughs> it's a yeasty baby. And like, I've been heating my room more because I don't think it's been warm enough. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I don't think I did the Tamagotchi right. <laughs> this bread Pretty Tamagotchi. <laughs> yeah. This is nesting. I hope you, your actual children <laughs> and our beds and houseplants are all doing good, guys. Hope we're doing good. Yeah, I haven't gotten to bread baking yet. We did some banana bread, baked some cookies. Cookies and banana bread are great. I'm, Any kind of baking, yeah. I made like a triple batch of meatballs and froze those. Ooh. Yeah, I only baked some cookies this is, as far as I know. Your get. cookies are great, David. Shit. <laughs> Thank you. I forgot about your cookies. I know. The other day I was like, oh, if we were all in the office, I could prevail on David to bake some cookies and bring them in for us to eat. But Mm. right now, if he's baking cookies, he's just eating them all himself. 
aware, you guys. We still have a mail system that's working. <laughs> yeah, I'll, be I'll see what I can uh, work out. <laughs> <laughs> yes. My specialties are fire. chocolate chip and snickerdoodle. Which would you prefer, Carrie? Um, who's your chocolate chip? All right, all right, all right. Let's see what I I'll can... talk to Mr. Belding later if you want anything. <laughs> <laughs> see what he can forward you. But it won't be a yeast baby, probably. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. So, disease, unthorough hair cleaning. Uh, that's basically the lesson George learns that he should uh, wash more often. And then, as Drew Carey is leaving, he notifies George that the disease has been named O'Grady syndrome, which is George's last name in this yeah. series. And so George is excited to be in the class of Tourette's and Lou Gehrig and Alzheimer. Alzheimer's. I feel like I'm missing an S in there. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's. Now I'm just doing his bit for him when I'm like, I guess the joke is he can't really pronounce it correctly, but yeah. now I'm doing it. So <laughs> Now we all have Alzheimer's. Oops. Uh, and that's how it ends. And then we, uh, during the credits, they just replay him walking out onto the street and seeing a whole bunch of bodies pass out. So For whatever reason, which then tricked my mind into thinking that's how the episode ended and when I recalled it. so Right, right. <laughs> So what'd you learn, Austin? I learned that uh, (laughs) if we all would have been fine if we had just followed directions. (laughs) Mm, That's a good rule. Yeah. Carolyn, did you learn anything? I learned so much, David. This has been a great journey. Good call on this mysterious episode. From Uh, a mysterious series, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I learned this series exists. (laughs) Big lesson right there out of the gate. <laughs> and then I'm going to agree with Austin. Like, yeah, it's where did this come from? How did it get here? Mm-hmm. And and just if we had directions, we could follow them. But apparently we're going to be mini lawless micro societies or something. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. We just can't depend on the government for a lot necessarily, apparently. So just like follow the best instructions you can. Like, if your governor doesn't tell you to stay home, just stay home anyways, right? <laughs> look out yeah. for each other. Yeah, Those yeah. lessons I didn't get from this, but <laughs> I appreciated the journey nonetheless. And what I learned is that you cannot escape the Astain bears in any dimension. <laughs> they are there with shitty asses and little bits of toilet paper stuck to their shitty fucking asses. They are mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I mean, there's like all sorts of like thought experiments. Like if like yeah. a hydrogen bond didn't have the, you know, proper something or other like (laughs) no matter could ever form so there's probably like alternate universes out there where there's just nothing because nothing could bond properly but the ass bears would be there too though you know they (laughs) you can't escape them they Maybe little tardigrades with little toilet papers exactly exactly toilet ass tardigrades (laughs) (laughs) they are the alpha and the omega yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I learned that uh, missing socks are the DEA, one shoe on the highway is the FBI, and a person in front of you paying with a check is the IRS. 
<laughs> disease is the CIA. I should also put that point that out. Right, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, you know. It is kind of funny how, like, not more than five weeks ago, six weeks ago, maybe, there wouldn't have been anything very special about this episode at all. <laughs> and, and now it's just like, like, why didn't we listen to the George Carlin show? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the other thing I'd ask like how well it did. I mean, obviously this was just a joke and probably just like an homage to the stand that they wanted to shoehorn into this sitcom and uh, not a whole lot else. But I guess if there's one thing we could have all learned from this episode is that being asymptomatic is a thing <laughs> that you can walk around and spread a disease without feeling. Right. No, I, I thought that this was like eerily prescient to our current times. Like it underscores yeah, the, weird. you know, the yeah. the damage that an asymptomatic person can do. It stresses the importance of following instructions and about thoroughly cleaning oneself. Mm-hmm. It was way too special an episode, David. Wow. <laughs> right, it was too special, too that's right. Uh, too special, too soon, too much. Yeah, and then I'm refraining from many political rants, but I could go on them. Just right. just you know, can, I just want people to know one. they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> we all got rants, son. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, uh, Carolyn, where can people find you online? Oh boy, all over the place. Uh, I'm Carolyn Main, C A R O L Y N M A I M, like the streets. I am on Twitter, I am on Facebook, I have a Patreon. You can catch up with me there. You can just watch what I do without money, or you can give me like some money and get like a postcard in the mail. So check that out. I'll Very see nice. you on the internet. <laughs> awesome. You'll also see me on the internet because that's the only place any of us could be right now. Yeah, exactly. That's the place now. Uh, on Twitter at Austin Gordon and read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. And if you would also like to give me money, you could do that at patreon.com slash G-O-L. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Dr. Bits. I might be on The Real Gentleman of Leisure sometime if I decide it's something I want to write. But I haven't yet, so, you know. <laughs> and I don't know, David, you might want to drop that doctor from your Twitter handle, because you might get drafted in the near future. <laughs> sure. uh, it's possible. You're right. Essential David. <laughs> get him on the scene. They need him. Well, it says here that he's not a doctor, but it says that he's a doctor <laughs> in his name. We'll yeah, take him. Good enough. He says he'll take a look. I guess we should let him. <laughs> Uh, we collectively are a very special episode podcast. You can rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. You can follow us on Twitter at AVS, AVSE Pod. You can check out our Facebook page. You can email us via AVSE Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, I don't think you can send us money, right? There's no way for us to get money. I mean, you could mail us a check. Yeah, or... <laughs> Or, or they can mail us the new money toilet paper. Are you saying yes. we should set up a Patreon? Because I could, we could figure that out. You could send, yeah, you could send us checks payable to Austin Gordon, or you could mail toilet paper to any of us. Yeah. <laughs> you can support us on our OnlyFans, David. What's your OnlyFans? <laughs> I should set up an OnlyFans, right? I know. <laughs> because in the year of our Lord 2020 in America, toilet paper is the hot commodity. Uh, my my OnlyFans is caboose. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yes, if you want a subscription to Carolyn's Caboose magazine, please send a self-addressed stamp envelope to... Uh, I'm taking only memos from mimeographs and faxes. <laughs> faxes. Mm-hmm. For a very special episode podcast, <laughs> this is David hoping everyone stays safe and stays at home, but don't clean your home. <laughs> That's how it starts. I, that's the lesson I learned. That was a very special episode. We dissected that shit from head to toe. Did the time fly by or was it smooth? Got so many life lessons. Oh, how we've grown. Seen so much TV that we're gonna explode next time on a very special episode. That's a good lesson. Yeah, if he had Can't never stop. cleaned, he never would have gotten the junk in his hair, and then he never would have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's too fun to touch your face. I love doing it. <laughs> well, it's especially, it's funner when you're told you can't, right? Then you really just want to mm. touch your face. Then, right? then all you want to, you just want to, like, press your hands to your face uh, at all times. Touch my face. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I love words. I thank you for hearing my words. I want to tell you something about words that I, uh, I think is important. I love, as I say, they're my uh, work, they're my play, they're my passion. Words are all we have, really. Uh, we have thoughts, but thoughts are fluid, you know. And then we assign a word to a thought. And we're stuck with that word for that thought. So be careful with words. I like to think, yeah, the same words, you know, that hurt can heal. It's a... Uh, it's a matter of how you pick them. There are some people that aren't into all the words. There are some people that would have you not use certain words. Yeah, there are 400,000 words in the English language, and there are seven of them you can't say on television. What a ratio that is. 399,993 to seven. They must really be bad. They'd have to be outrageous to be separated from a group that large. All of you over here, you seven. Bad words. That's what they told us they were, remember? That's a bad word. No bad words. Bad thoughts. Bad intentions. And words. You know the seven, don't you, that you can't say on television? Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits, huh? Those are the heavy seven. Those are the ones that'll infect your soul, curve your spine, and keep the country from winning the war. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Wow. And tits doesn't even belong on the list, you know? Yeah. It's such a friendly sounding word. Sounds like a nickname, right? Hey, Tits, come here, man. Hey, Tits. 
Sounds like a snack, doesn't it, huh? Yes, yes I know, it is, right, a snack. But I don't mean your sexist snack. I mean new Nabisco tits. <laughs> and new cheese tits. And corn tits and pizza tits and sesame tits, onion tits, tater tits. Yeah. Bet you can't eat just one. Huh? That's true, I usually switch off. <laughs> but I mean, that word does not belong on the list. Actually, none of the words belong on the list, but you can understand why some of them are there. I mean, I'm not completely insensitive to people's feelings. You know, I can dig why some of those words got on the list. Like cocksucker and motherfucker, those are... Those are heavyweight words, you know. There's a lot going on there, man. <laughs> Besides the literal translation and, and the emotional feeling, I mean, they're just busy words. You know? There's a lot of syllables to contend with. And, and those K's, those are aggressive sounds. They jump out at you, man. Cocksucker, motherfucker, cocksucker. It's like an assault on you, you know? So I can dig that, huh? Now, we mentioned shit earlier, of course, and uh, two of the other four-letter Anglo-Saxon words are piss and cunt, which go together, of course, but forget that. So, little accidental humor I throw there. Piss and cunt. The reason that piss and cunt are on the list is that a long time ago, certain ladies said, those are the two I'm not going to say. I don't mind fucking shit, but P and C are out. P and C are out which led to such stupid sentences as, okay, you fuckers, I'm going to tinkle now. <laughs> and of course, the word fuck. <sighs> the word fuck, I don't really, well, here's some more accidental humor. I don't really want to get into that now. <sighs> because I think it takes too long. <sighs> but I do mean that. I mean, I think the word fuck is a very important word. It's the beginning of life, and yet it's a word we use to hurt one another quite often. And uh, people much wiser than I have said, I'd rather have my son watch a film with two people making love than two people trying to kill one another. And I, of course, can agree. It's a great sentiment. I wish I knew who said it first, and I, I agree with that. But I'd like to take it a step further. I'd like to substitute the word fuck for the word kill in all those movie cliches we grew up with, right? Okay, Sheriff, we're gonna fuck you now. <laughs> but we're gonna fuck you slow. So maybe next year I'll have a whole fucking rap on that word, I hope so. Uh, there are two-way words. Those are the seven you can never say on television. Under any circumstances, you just cannot say them ever, 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 not even clinically. You cannot weave them in on the panel with Doc and Ed and Johnny. I mean, it's just impossible. Forget those seven. They're out. 
But there are some two-way words, those double-meaning words. Remember the ones you giggled at in sixth grade? And the cock crowed three times. Hey, the cock crowed three times. Hey, hey it's in the Bible. Hey. There are some two-way words, like it's okay for Kurt Gowdy to say, Roberto Clemente has two balls on him. But he can't say, I think he hurt his balls on that play, Tony, don't you? He's holding them. He must have hurt them, by God. And the other two-way word that goes with that one is prick. It's okay if it happens to your finger. Yes, you can prick your finger, but don't finger your prick. No, no. No. 